0: That is that what is for me like going into these places? I'm thinking, is that what Christians believe God is like? He's like a very serious person. He's very, you know, everybody be quiet, be respectful. Uh, or is he somebody who can understand that? Yeah, uh, laughter and and loud volume is okay because that's a great way to experience life too.
1: Hi, friend. Welcome to another episode of the 8,000 Promises podcast. I'm your host, Aidy Tilford. I'm a Jesus-led, trauma-informed educator, leader, and writer serving God in my local community and church. If you believe like I do that this world needs safe spaces to talk about God, faith in action, and complex topics so that transformative change can take place, this podcast is for you. You'll hear from a range of guests, experts in fields of psychology and faith, and everyday friends with meaningful stories to tell. In this series, you'll hear deep conversation and supplemental writings from people who are amplifying voices, partnering with God in ways that help others know that God sees and hears every person, including you. So when you're ready, lean in and embrace what God has for you today. Let's go. Hi, welcome to 8,000 Promises and another special uh, episode that I'm trying out this year. I have a really, probably one of my favorite guests I'll probably ever have. His name is Casey Rippy, and Casey, do you want to say hi?
0: Yeah. Hey, AD. How's it going? Well, one of your favorite people.
1: I think I have to say that.
0: (laughs) Do you say it every podcast? No. (laughs) 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 Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, it's because you see me so often. I feel like that it's kind of necessary to put it in there, right?
1: Well, and also because you're married to my sister. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that f- helpful. If Sam was on here all the time, I w- couldn't say that, but he's not. Yeah. So I'm so excited for our listeners to get to hear this episode. We're kind of dreaming up together. Well, it's going to be a recurring episode in which they get to hear me in real time, try to convert my brother-in-law to Christianity.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. I had no idea that's why I was coming on.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I know I intentionally didn't say that in our show (laughs) notes. It's like
0: the Jehovah's Witnesses. As soon as you open the door, you're in trouble.
1: (laughs) Hello! (laughs) My family gave me a sticker that says, like, be careful, any minute I might start talking about Jesus. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes. And it's actually kind of true. No, but with, with some kidding aside, I actually felt like I had to say that because I think uh, somebody, you know, any, probably anybody from a faith stance is going to say, well, of course I would hope that the people I love most in the world might eventually share my experience or the relationship that I have with Jesus. I would always want that for them. And also I was telling Sam, I was going to say that too. We were both really excited to see what you were going to (laughs) say. But also, well, just being real that, um, I think this world is in dire need to hear conversations between people who believe things that are very different about topics that matter to each other, you know? So, I'm really grateful that you're taking a minute or like an hour to come and talk about something that I'm passionate about and give a perspective that's really different from mine,
0: yeah, no, i'm I'm very happy you invited me and. One thing I've always been fascinated with is how people come to their belief and why they believe what they do believe. And I think every experience is very unique and I love sharing mine and hearing other people's. And I would say that it, it it's a long walk if you're trying to get me to convert to Christianity, but um, <laughs> I always appreciate hearing other people's perspectives.
1: I was trying to decide what will happen if one day Casey calls me and says, Hey I love Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have a party if that happens, but no, um, I I really do. I just, yeah, I had to put it out there, honestly, for, for that starter point of like, it's not trying to be sneaky Jesus here. Like,
0: yeah. Well, and I think also if that's your intention, I'm probably going to be, one of the more difficult people to ever break and so having said that you might have some tips if you're looking to break more people <laughs> into the Christian world. this is a good place to start start with somebody that's going to be very difficult
1: if, if i get this win for the kingdom friends then we're like yeah it's just going to be like game over
0: <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you're going to unlock the secret
1: yeah okay sorry well um I love that. Thanks for responding so generously to that. I'm really excited to hear all you have to say and like, just learn from you and with you. And I think I'm going to learn about my own faith through these conversations. I think you're going to challenge me and I'm really excited about getting, because I just don't think we put ourselves in situations enough where we get to be challenged a little bit.
0: Yeah. I also think that there's a little bit of a lack of maturity when it comes to conversations about religion often Mm -hmm. in that. If it's not the same as ours, our openness to hear the other person's perspective is pretty limited. And so I always like having conversations with people who disagree with, you know, the the lay of the land that I see because I gain perspective.
1: Okay. So I have a little game for us to play. I'm going to give you three words. You just say the first thing that comes to mind after each word. And that's just to help people know you a little bit. It's okay. Like, although I think you're going to bring in a ton of people, so thank you for that. Oh
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think you overestimate how popular I am.
1: <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. I mean, I would listen because it's you. Um. Okay. First word. Comedian. Life. like you can't take that long you have to answer faster i know
0: i'm already failing
1: okay Okay. second word sister friend and last word christianity complex okay Those good answers case okay would you give everybody just a little bit of a taste of who you are we kind of talked about what we're doing here but sure yeah
0: so i just turned 40 i am 80s brother-in-law, her youngest sister's husband. And I am a contractor, a carpenter, a comedian, and I also do a podcast myself for fantasy football. And I'm a father of two, which is my most important uh, job.
1: Yeah. I love those kids. Awesome. So the last little piece for this intro segment is to just help us figure out what the heck we want to call this sucker sure uh, i have a couple of ideas one is sitting with a cynic i have conversations with a non-christian i have casey as the best so shut it <laughs>
0: <laughs> i like how there's already like there's a little voice in your head going off on like the people that wouldn't respond to this and you're already <laughs> you're creating uh, a way to uh ease that in or abruptly break it off
1: (laughs) that's right that's right
0: i like sitting with a cynic yeah because i am pretty cynical
1: well i talked with a friend about it today i also made a joke with her that i should call it sitting with a sinner and she was like oh yeah that'd
0: be fun (laughs) (laughs)
1: She was like, no, no, no.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That idea. Uh, But we were talking about cynicism because I looked up the the definition because you're not a cynical person. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, Casey's a cynical person. But when I looked it up, it said a cynic is someone who has disbelief. And then my friend added like, this is somebody who's thought about what they believe. And they're like, well, I've thought about what you believe and I just don't really get it. You know, it's kind of the person who's willing to push back on the the trickier parts Mm -hmm. yeah
0: um i like sitting with the cynic probably the most because i can be cynical at times it's not you know it doesn't define me i'm not constantly a cynic but i think it's catchy so
1: yeah it is helps do you have any (laughs) other ideas that like you'd love to call it
0: uh, well, sitting, uh, you know, conversations with a non-Christian is nice too. It has a nice ring to it or comedic conversations with a non-Christian would be fun too.
1: Oh, that, I kind of like that. Cause it like really, cause I was going to tell you one of the rules is that you have to be funny.
0: Oh, the pressure. <laughs> I didn't prepare I anything.
1: <laughs> also though, <laughs> I really want to showcase how funny I am.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's what I'm here for.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that you're the funny one. It's fine. I can, I keep accepting that I'm not that funny. Oh.
0: <laughs> Only when you're tripping on things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> dumping water on my tripping yeah. as in like over an object friends, not like on. My- <laughs> I literally that's thought awesome. trips, I was like, I don't do drugs.
0: <laughs> I love that's where your head went first. Oh that's not gosh. at all where I was. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, because you're making fun of me dumping water on my head as I tripped over a dog kennel, but I literally (laughs) was like, what? While we're "Eh." here,
0: actually, uh, you know, one thing that I should have asked before it started is, are there words you'd like me to stay away from on the podcast? Uh,
1: No, I think (laughs) I can. I mean, if I like want you to be yourself.
0: Okay. Authenticity.
1: Yeah, that's more important. I I think people need authentic conversation. And if there's a lot of cussing at some point, I will have to decide, you know, do I just put this one has explicit language or in just tell yeah. Right. It's fine. Okay. Um yeah, so I want you to be you. So Okay. You Not that answer. I see
0: myself getting vulgar, but um I have a bit of a loose cannon and I don't always control it, so
1: Okay. <laughs> see if I can get him fired up, friends. <laughs> awesome. I don't know how I'm going to turn that into like an intro, Casey, but Well, Um, it's it's only
0: 10 minutes long, so. Yeah,
1: only. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Casey, I have had guests on the podcast, this series, to talk about the concept of amplifying voices and this idea that God sees and hears every person in the world, and that's like a tenet that I think a follower of Christ would really hold to, that we actually have a job to partner with people or to amplify the voices of maybe the people who are marginalized or who might not be seen or heard as much in the world. And so that's what you're going to talk about with me today. I've done five interviews and had four guests do writing pieces where they kind of processed it. And there's been a all variety of topics. I think again and again, it, it really is about the marginalized that aren't always like held up in society as people we should listen to or pay attention to and sort of how that works. And then also how, by telling our own stories that that is like an amplification uh, because it can help other people find the way to their own story. When you think about the word amplify, this idea of increasing the amount of making something, especially like a voice or a person more marked or intense, what comes to mind for you within the context of your life?
0: Yeah. So I think amplify, when I think of it, I often go to the fact that I think amplification is a requirement where you need others in order for that to take place. So a lot of times you're thinking about your voice as you're speaking it out into the world, but it really takes everyone else for that voice to be amplified. And so it's more of a partnership with those that you're, um, with the people that are going to hear you. And so in order to amplify uh, your own voice, one thing that's really important is it needs to be well-written and it needs to be concise and it needs to have a clear message. And so if you are a marginalized person or you're somebody who wants your message amplified, just realize that, okay, maybe if my message isn't being amplified, maybe it's because I haven't done the work on the writing piece of it or making it concise so others can easily access and share it. Uh, If the idea is really complex, um, you might need to put it into pieces so that people can actually understand and retell it to other people. Because a lot of times you're coming from a place, if you're marginalized, you're coming from a place not many people understand. And so if it's not well written and not concise, then they're going to have trouble explaining it to the
1: next person. Okay. I love that so much. Like, I love the thought of being able to retell it. I have like goosebumps just thinking a little bit, like some dots you're connecting or some concepts that are kind of clicking into place as far as like, okay, in my life and as a person who wants to have a ministry that does involve amplifying voices of other people in my own story, um, like just the reality of that coaching work or that, um, yeah, I know the, the ability to retell, but I'm thinking like, why has the Bible been told a million times because the stories are retellable and there are four different people that chose to retell the, you know, the, there's four different gospels that retell Jesus's life. Each of them a little bit different, each of them kind of overlapping, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's been so accessible for 2000 years that people are able to retell it and retell it.
0: Well, also think about the, the verses that stick in your mind, they're typically pretty short and concise and pretty well-written. And so, and they echo true. And so when you put all those things together, it's a lot easier to amplify that message.
1: I also really like just that remembering it does take both sides. Like it takes the listener side too.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: My girlfriends that we'd start this out, our intro, one of the things we talked about was actually listening is one of the number one ways we can amplify someone's voice is to listen to them.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen and then uh, do your own processing in your own head. And I always think of myself like when I get a message, I always feel like my brain is a bit of a computer. So, you know, let it run through the operating system. And then it's really important if you have the chance to retell how you receive the message to that person so that they can have a better understanding of how that message is coming across. Uh, then you can work towards a maybe a better version of the message that they're trying to send if like you go oh that wasn't at all what i was trying to say you know how often does that happen
1: yeah i love that that just that paraphrasing the elevated paraphrase the or yeah just being able to make sure like hey this is what i'm hearing and then sometimes that gives more clarity to the person who's speaking yeah. do you feel like in your work as a comedian that that was part of the process was like honing in on a joke being able to like hear feedback around how it was received even laughter as feedback
0: yeah absolutely i mean the the purest form of comedy is the open mic because you get real life um feedback immediately as to how effective your quote unquote message or joke is in that how quickly can you get to a laugh how big was the laugh and um what percentage of the audience laughed mm. and with the message is a little bit different because you don't get the laughter feedback. It's just, uh, you have to have conversations afterwards with people who listen to the message, um, to understand whether or not they received it and whether or not they were tuning out halfway through, because maybe it was a little too long.
1: I love it. It's good feedback for my podcast in case.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like everybody should try. If you if you want to be a writer, you should try writing comedy Um, because it unlocks so much ability because the 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 work that goes in to creating something that's funny is double that of creating something that's insightful
1: Mm. because
0: insightful you can get to through a few forms but when when you're trying to write comedy you try to be insightful and then make that insightfulness funny beyond that so it's a huge exercise to create a joke whereas if you're if you have that exercise, then just coming to the point of um, just having something unique to say becomes easier.
1: Which is so funny because I literally took so long to come up with my conversion joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it takes honestly in the beginning too. Uh, like, if you just started out writing comedy, don't get discouraged if nothing funny comes out for like a full month. Um, it's it's something that you have to practice and it never gets easy. It's always difficult and it always takes a lot of work.
1: I so believe it because and I also am like, God, can you whenever I preach, I'm like, can you please let there be like something funny I get to talk about this <laughs> time? Please. Yeah. And I generally don't feel like I have too many opportunities for a lot of humor woven in, but I love i love when people are talking about their faith and they're able to be funny about it it's like it's just so enjoyable to yeah be part of that so maybe yeah, I'll i would agree that <laughs> yeah.
0: i i enjoy anything that is funny whether it's faith-based or not
1: or not yeah um i we had friends over for dinner this was i don't know i have to tell you this i'll probably <laughs> i'm just gonna tell you because it was my favorite moment this weekend We had friends over for dinner. We're we're cooking out of Jen Hatmaker's cookbook. She is a person who has worked a lot on satire in her writing. And I really admire her voice. She has a very unique voice. She's very uh, clever and insightful, but her cookbook is just wonderful to read. And Mm. she was describing the bacon for this appetizer that I made as a you couldn't she didn't want you to get like the bacon that wants to be the star. She wanted you to get the vulnerable, needy bacon that <laughs> that was How like do you
0: picked that out.
1: She said it was like cling wrap. It's gonna wrap around these dates like a insecure boyfriend.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's just really fun to read that to my friends. I'm like, I was reading my friends a cookbook. That's right. So but yeah, it, like you just I
0: amplified want... her voice because her it was clever and funny.
1: Somebody's gonna buy that cookbook now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, what are your thoughts about God seeing people, hearing people? Um, yeah.
0: Well, so um, I just to kind of get you some information on what my faith looks like. I'm an agnostic. If- or as Stephen Colbert would say, uh, "Atheist without balls," and uh, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> basically, it means, "Come on, man, you're really an atheist, but you just you're too you're you're not strong enough to just go go all out atheist atheism."
1: So maybe there's a god because I'd rather err on that side. Well, that's
0: what Stephen Colbert yeah. says. For me, it, it it's more of uh of an unknowing so i don't claim to have answers as far as how how the universe or world operates um and so to make the claim that there isn't one would be just as foolish as to claim that there is one okay um so for me as far as like a god that sees and hears and you know touches everything i i believe that it's possible um but for me to understand a being that's like that and to understand like the messages that he may or may not be sending. And I'm sorry if I say he, that's just the first thing that comes to mind. Um, but the messages he may or may not be, uh, sending or the path that he or she wants me to walk for me to be able to interpret that on my own, uh, kind of seems foolish. It would be like me trying to open up a physics book and just learn physics without having advanced math behind it to begin with. Um, and so I always thought it's basically anyone's guess as to whether or not that message that you you think you're hearing is truthfully something that's being passed down from a God. Um, and so I believe that it's possible, but I don't, I don't believe in it any more than I don't believe that there is not a God essentially
1: do you ever like do you feel like you've ever had an encounter where you're like oh that could have been god that was you know i don't
0: believe i don't believe i have i don't believe i've ever had an instance where i was like the universe worked just this way for for this to happen i i would say it on on the flip side i have instances in my uh work as a contractor in which I go, somebody is messing with me right now just to aggravate me. (laughs) So a little bit opposite, you know, when you have like, this happened to me just, just literally the other day in which I I had to wrap up a project and uh, I only had an hour because I had to pick up the kids. And then all of a sudden the one outlet that was really hard to get in because of how the drywall was cut, um, was the only one that messed up naturally. So not only was it really hard to get in there, but now I have to take it apart again and reinsert. And I'm like, who's messing with me? Why is it this one? You know, any other one I could have gotten done right away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We call that a spiritual attack. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> <out> for <laughs> uh, I mean, I definitely, I have definitely felt those times where it feels like some, there is a power working against me. Mm. I don't feel like that's God. I feel like, yeah.
0: Well, the other part of that is like, if I buy into that, you know, if I buy into the idea that something, which I, I say it foolishly, like, I don't really think something happened to make that happen. But if I buy into that, then I have to buy into this idea that, well, are there spirits all the time that are, you know, dictating how I operate? And if they are, do I really have control over, you know, what I'm doing in life in itself?
1: So it kind of goes into that idea of control. Which, yeah. Yeah. I get that. And I'm like, Nope, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have some control and I don't have any, no. I mean, that actually has been, I think in the last five years for me, like a huge learning um, on my side, of was like, I really don't feel like I have a lot of control over a lot of things I thought I had control over. Mm-hmm. And I, I
0: think that comes with age and wisdom. Yeah. You re- you realize more and
1: more. Yeah. So even without there being a spiritual or divine, presence it still feels like that a little bit like you realize you don't have the same control you thought you had at one point now that yeah
0: and i look at it in another sense like you know if you're trying to uh make someone feel comfortable right like just just take something simple like that you're trying to make somebody feel comfortable in your mind you're already playing over this idea of what it's going to take to make them feel comfortable and you could totally mess that up in the moment You have no control over that. You tried what you thought was going to work. And I feel the same way with like, if you're talking about, you know, somebody that's not just a person, like an entity that you can't even understand because it's so all knowing. Like if you're trying to walk their path, the thought that you're actually able to receive the message and walk their path to me um, is a little bit like trying to understand another person and how they're going to react to things because you don't know their history.
1: Hmm. Okay, it's good. There's gonna be a lot of good things to think about. Um, what, like, how, how? So, without, I guess, a lot of the things we've been talking about in the series is like that, like ways that we have felt seen and heard by God. Like the people on the show or or the conversations. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you feel seen and heard in this world?
0: Well, I would say. Oh, these are just some good questions. Um, yeah, like say, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that question.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I would say you know, like when you're when you're in line at a gas station and there's like it's a long line and the cashier's right there, and it you know you've been waiting like five minutes and you're just trying to get in and out, and then the person right in front of you goes up and she's a chatty Kathy or or a conversational Kim. <laughs> Don't wanna be sexist. But she starts talking to the person, the cashier, and there's a line behind you. You wanna get in and out. And the cashier has the transaction, the transaction's done. When that cashier looks at that person and says, I'm sorry, I have to help the next person in the line. That's when I feel the most seen. When when she says, move on, you know we have things to do. <laughs> there's other people in society that are trying to get on with their days.
1: So when the gal in front of you does not feel seen and heard, that yeah. feel
0: seen <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of course i'm being cynical
1: um, <laughs> we're sitting with a cynic we need a yeah. little i you i made you promise to be funny it's good <laughs> right
0: well that was an attempt uh but uh so i would say the most i feel seen or heard are is when i can get genuine laughter from somebody mm. um that's the apex of feeling seen and heard for me
1: mm. That's cool. So are you going to just keep pursuing comedy then as a hobby, at least? So
0: it's tough right now because when you have two kids uh, going out late at night on weeknights to do open mics is something that's not conducive to raising children. And I kind of came to the realization that, like, I think a lot of comedians that have kids probably don't have great relationships with them would be my guess. Or they may have good relationships with them. They just might not be as involved as, uh, you know, a non comedian, because I don't know how you could keep that schedule and be involved with your kids. And I kind of came to that realization and realized that like, you know, taking the path of a comic, while having kids, I'd rather raise my kids and spend my time with them than to pursue that career of comedy. It'll probably be something I revisit eventually. Um maybe when the kids are older, but the the only thing that I could see myself doing is maybe starting an open mic uh in Castle Rock, one that's closer that I host, that I always have the set time that I'm going to be able to do it and that way I can, you know, both focus on comedy and raise two kids.
1: I love that idea. What a great dream. Yeah. Um, it sounds like to me, Case, that you are saying to see and hear your children. Yeah, is more important to you than to be seen and heard in that public way, and also an invitation to all of our family members to make sure we laugh at your jokes.
0: Right. I mean, it's
1: pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I oh, I will. No, actually, I love your. Jokes. I love your comedy. Okay, so I really think, well, I, my hope is that, you know, they're going to be Christians listening to our followers of Jesus, listening to this conversation and just thinking about these concepts, you know, being able to maybe transfer what you're saying into their faith or, or not, but also just a reality of what it looks like to walk in a world that has people with lots of different belief sets and how to love well and serve well whether someone agrees fully with you or not. And I'm wondering if you have any ideas about how the Christian church might amplify voices of people that they don't agree with in an honoring way.
0: Yeah. So are we talking, we're probably talking about agreeing with, uh, as in faith, um, not so much, well, the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, you wouldn't really want to amplify somebody who, you know, whose message is completely contrary to your, uh, morale, your, your moral fiber. Right. Yeah. So in the other context, uh, if you want to, I think the best way, honestly, if you're a Christian, there's going to be Christian messages out there that come from people who aren't Christian, mm. um, that are you know, they transcend religion and are interesting. And if you pick those to amplify, maybe even in your sermons, you might get those people who are in your church to realize, oh, well, you know, this person who doesn't believe the same as me still found the same message that I have in my religion. They may find more common ground uh, by just opening up that world. Maybe there are people that don't really listen to this person. And now that they've heard that, they go, you know what? I want to listen to this person and gain their perspective. And then they can relate to people who don't necessarily share their religion.
1: Yeah, I think I had somebody on my, one of my first seasons who had like, she gave a quote from a non, like a secular person's, I don't know, like a leader, thought leader. And uh, it was such a good quote and such a good thought. And it really did, a line up, um, with her thing, and then I think I went and was like, "Oh, I didn't know about this person, but yeah, learned about them." I'm not necessarily somebody who only listens to Christian, sure, influencers. Like I, I feel like I try to like hear a lot of perspectives. I think I think the world is so diverse and colorful, and it's important to to learn uh, from all kinds of voices. Yeah. So I like that though. I like the idea of just weaving, especially if we're like, there's influencers or preachers or whoever, like that you can weave in thoughts from people who don't necessarily follow Jesus when those thoughts make sense. Yeah.
0: Well, not, that's not the only part too. It's also like, you know, when I go to church um, I'm, I'm basically never really there to, um begin my path towards christianity it's always it's generally as a favor to the person that i'm with and if there were more messages that weren't bible related uh i would be more willing to go to a sermon um because that seems to be you know when i go to a church as a non christian um, i'm not first of all, not looking to convert. I'm again, like I said, I'm usually doing it as a favor to the person who is going to that church. Um, And for me, when I'm sitting there and I'm hearing the sermon, it's kind of like, it'd be like, if, you know, think of a band that you really don't like, but a lot of people really like, and somebody's like, Oh, you got to go to their one, one of their concerts. Like if you go to one of their concerts, I guarantee you'll like them. And so you go and you're like, no, still don't. (laughs) Still don't like them. And actually, that was a really uncomfortable hour worth of listening to that to that music for me. That's a little bit of what it's like to go as a non-Christian. Um, because each time I'm hoping, you know, well, maybe this will inspire me because I love the sense of community churches have. But because of where it comes from it and where I come from, uh it's never been a spot where I go to church and afterwards I'm like, I'm I'm glad I went there.
1: <laughs> you um, know? Yeah so it'd be and nice
0: so, yeah I, it'd be nice like first of all whenever i go into church i feel like it's always very quiet like it's always like a what like is that is that what is for me like going into these places i'm thinking is that what christians believe god is like he's like a very serious person he's very you know everybody be quiet be respectful uh or is he somebody who can understand that yeah uh laughter and and loud volume is okay because that's a great way to experience life too
1: yeah uh yeah I think there might be some other like places that you might enjoy more if you you know had to do a favor for someone again <laughs> right. there are a variety of styles of like worship and and stuff um but yeah I was like thinking I'm like I'm pretty sure most sermons are hopefully going to keep some bible in there because I think right? part of the the thing but i do always love when like our our pastor did a whole bunch of stuff of interweaving U two lyrics and talking about bono's story Mm -hmm. um for i was like when we were studying the book of john so that was like really fun to hear these other stories of somebody who uh, is more is well known and who was writing and speaking about his own journey um kind of tied in to the messages of the bible too you know yeah anyway good thoughts i like it thanks case yeah thanks for sitting with me mr cynic i i you know i love hanging out with you and i hope that we give people some ideas of how to have a conversation they might maybe want be wanting to have i don't know
0: yeah what? and <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for having me i also think it's important too, like to understand that if you want to relate to somebody, you have to have more than one conversation. And Mm -hmm. typically in beginning conversations, most people's guards are up. And so Mm -hmm. when you're trying to gather information on faith, there's a little bit of worry that they're going to, you know, poke away at your belief. And so your defenses are kind of up in the beginning. So the more conversations you have, the less defensive you get.
1: I love that. And also I love that you point out because I honestly don't think you've ever told me your agnostic uh, definition for your faith. So that was like, I'm like, I don't know that we've ever talked about that before.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think we have.
1: <laughs> so glad we did that. Glad we did yeah. that today. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you next time.
0: All right. Thanks, AD.
1: Casey, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you?
0: Uh, if they want to talk to me, they can reach out to me on Facebook, actually. Um, it's At Casey C A S E Y, Rippy R I P P Y. Just look me up, shoot me a message, say you you heard me on Eighties Podcast, and uh, we can connect there.
1: Love it, and you guys know where to find me: Ad Tilford writes on Instagram or Ad Tilford Author on Facebook. Or, of course, you can sign up for my newsletter and hear from me more frequently in your inbox. So, thanks so much. Bye.